Amen. Amen. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we worship you. Our Father, we bless your name. You are such an awesome daddy. You know we'll be here today. And you came way before we are here. You are truly the Alpha, the Omega, the Waymaker, the Miracle Worker. Thank you for the awesome things that you will do in our lives today. We've already asked and we know that you are a good and very faithful father, a good shepherd for that matter. And certainly, we will not leave you at the same. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Our topic today is uh, making wise choices for a better tomorrow. Making wise choices for a better tomorrow. And we have two texts. The first is a Proverbs 22 1. A beautiful reputation is more to be desired than great riches. And to be esteemed by others is more honorable than to own immense investments. A beautiful reputation, a beautiful name, an awesome name. It's not that you go about seeking honor from men, but you're seeking the honor that comes from God and God only. And God now opens the eyes of people to see you, to, re- to, to reckon with you. And uh, in Second um, Corinthians chapter five, before then, and I remember that all of us know Pastor Victor, and everyone says he has the reputation of always coming early, and everybody wants to follow his example, right? And that's how I associate Pastor, by the way. And I know my beloved husband. I remember that somebody came to our house, and then. Um, the person will say, oh, I'm so much in a hurry, I need to go get a bus. He said, don't worry, my daddy is going to take you home. He said, are you sure? Never mind, he will take you home because he was certain that there's no way my dad will be, his dad will be there and this man goes to get a bus. And he has that kind heart towards anyone that is in trouble or that is poor. He wants to help. That's, I know about him. That's the name that I have seen in him. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 14 to 16 says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. The love of Christ compels us to keep this good name, living under God. Because our lives does not belong to us anymore. The Bible says the soul that sinned it shall die. And because we couldn't die that death, God brought a sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, who took our place of death, died on our behalf. So it's, we are no longer existing. It's now his life. It's no longer our life. So that love that he showed for us, that the Father showed to us, will compel us now to live for him. Because... It's no longer our life, it's now his. So he said it in verse 15, he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So he died for us, 
He rose again. Being that he resurrected, we too resurrected in glory. But it's no longer our life. So, verse 16 then said, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Because remember, it's now Christ. So our eyes are the eyes of Jesus. Our hands, our feet, everything that you see in me is no longer me. We sing a song, it is no longer I that live and but Christ who lives in me. So it's no longer Dorothy. It's now Jesus. So I don't have the choice to chook and piece what to do, how to treat people, how to do stuff. It has to be his way. It has to be his way because I am no longer living. I'm dead. This is now Christ. So we now see people through the eye of him because that is the life that we have now. And that's why the best choice ever for anyone is to make the choice of Jesus, to choose him as your Lord and your Savior. And the Bible said in Romans 8 verse 9b, if you don't have the spirit of Christ in you, you don't belong to him. That's God's DNA. I don't have to move and live into anybody's house. And then uh, even if I live there 100 years, that will never make me a member of that household. I'm still a visitor. Because I, uh, I wasn't born there. They didn't adopt me into that family. So, even if you like, come to church, sleep in the church, give the father suffering, those things will never make you a child of God until you choose Jesus, you put your faith in him. That's why he said, but as many as have received him in John 1, 12, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. You have to get that right. Otherwise, you're not a child of God. But thank God for the divine exchange that took place. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it said, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. It's only through that union with him that we become the righteousness of God. You come in right standing with the Father. You become a member of God's household as described in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. You say, you are now fellow citizens with the saints. You are now a member of God's household. You are now a son of God, a daughter of God, because you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, because you have been built on Jesus, who is the foundation that makes you a child of God. So Jesus now becomes your holiness. It's no longer your holiness. It's no longer your righteousness. Hebrew 2, 11 describes this so well. Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to his same father. That's why God is now my father. I can now call him daddy, my father, because he's now my father. So he is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. I don't know my position in the family. I might, I might be the millionaire you know, sister or the billionaire sister, but the fact remains that we share the same father. He is my senior brother. And what a wonderful statement in 1 John 3, 1, 2, 3. He said, Paul was describing there by the Holy Spirit. He said, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. So therefore, the world does not know us, 
because he did not know him. Because sometimes you mess up and they say, how can you say you're a child of God? Or sometimes they manipulate and you don't join them and they think you are a fool. So they don't understand what you mean because they don't know the father who is now our father. Behold, now we are children of God and it has not yet become re been revealed what we should be. Why? Because <laughs> our acts are still not at par with his. But the fact remains that in the spirit, we are completely perfect, holy as he is. First John 4, 17. So are we in this world? But our performance is not yet at par. So he said, Be beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So we keep on pressing forward, living for him, honoring him. Sometimes we miss it and thank God for the seal that we have received. Ephesians 1, 3, 13, 14 described that very well. He said, in him you, you also trusted <clears throat> after you had the word of truth. That's everything about Jesus and what he did for us, the gospel of your salvation. He said, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed, vacuum-packed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession? When you seal, the seal is that, is a device or substance that is used to join two things together so as to prevent them from coming apart. It prevents anything from getting into it. That's why no sin can penetrate and get into your spirit. Your spirit is exactly as that of Christ. It's only your acts, mind, will, and emotion that needs to be trained, to be groomed, to walk in line with your spirit that is exactly as that of Christ. So you were sealed. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So now that you're born again, the best thing that can ever happen to you as a believer is to choose to live your life after God. It's a choice you have to make. Remember we are talking about the choices that will help you to have a better tomorrow so that you avoid regrets later in life. So the first thing is choose Jesus. And then having chosen Jesus, you now have to choose to live for him, to live for him by honoring what he said through a life of obedience to him. We have a new heart. We have a new want to. If any man be in Christ, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he says he's a new creation. See, the old is past, the new has come. You are a brand new man and you are a brand new woman. I'm a, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new woman. Oh, things have passed away. I'm born again. More than a conqueror, that's who I am. You are a new creation if you have met Jesus. So you see now, with that new one too, it takes time for our behavior <clears throat> to catch up with the real us, the new man that we are. 
And sometimes it can be frustrating because you want to honor God, you want to live for him, but sometimes you find yourself not really measuring up and you get frustrated and you wonder, what is wrong with me? The Bible said in Titus, he said, um, verse 11, chapter 2, God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. It's for the whole world. This marvelous salvation we are talking about, Jesus Christ and all that he did, is for the whole world. But it's not everybody that has embraced it. But at least those of us that have embraced it, the Bible said in verse 12, this same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. And it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. The same grace will teach you, and it keeps teaching you the way to live this life so that you shut off frustrations, so that you will be able to live for him. It's not something you do on your own. You, that's why you, don't, you, can't, you can't be cutting classes and you will get there. No. You have to be part of the training. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed. That's why you study the word of God. You fellowship. Verse 13. For we continue to wait for the fulfillment of our hope in the downing splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the anointed one. So you see, we continue, but we are still in this body. And this body sometimes drags us into sin. And that's why the Bible said in that First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Is the guarantee. Because sometimes when you mess up, you begin to wonder, am I still a child of God? Yes, you are. If I have a child, that my child messed up does not mean that it's no longer my child. The only thing is that I, I keep correcting, I keep encouraging, and I keep on teaching. And I keep on praying, asking God to help my child to get it right. But it's still my child. No matter what that child does, it's still my child. So you're still a child of God. And God get, sealed you with Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to encourage you. You are still a child of God. That's why he's there, encouraging you as a believer. God still loves you. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up on yourself. Don't back up, you know, because you are still a child of God. So long as he's there, he's the guarantee that you're a child of God. And he, he's the guarantee that everything that God has is yours. So our work with God is a cost correction. You miss it today, say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I missed it. And then you retrieve and you get to the right path and you start doing. And all of a sudden, you have a lure. And then you move, you deviate, say, oh, daddy, I'm so sorry. And then you get back again, and you continue. It's a course correction until Jesus comes to take us home. It's a course correction. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, we know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action, which will reassure our hearts in his presence. We know that the truth lives. We know that we are children of God. We are born again. And we live a life of love. But somehow, sometimes, we don't get to show that love. And verse 20 says, whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience. And he knows everything there is to know about us. 
He knows we've already been forgiven. Jesus forgave us 2,000 years ago, and I don't think there's any one of us here that is born 2,000 years ago. If there is, you can stand up so we identify you as one of the liars. No. No one was born 2,000 years ago, but he paid it fully all, any, in any case, which means he knew what he was getting when he got you. He knew everything you would do, past, present, and future, and your sins were forgiven, past, present, and future. And these are things that will help us to be grateful and live a life of gratitude to him when we know that he took care of us. So when your conscience con condemns you, the Bible says God is greater and he knows all things. And then verse 21 says, my delightfully loved friends, when our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face. When you think your acts are together, that's why you go to God. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, I worship you. You are an awesome. Father, I'm asking for you. You ask boldly, right? You know, but when you don't perform well, that's when you think, I think I need the senior pastor to help me. I think I need to, I need somebody to pray a prayer of agreement with me because you think your acts are not together. But the Father already knows that you have been forgiven. He knows that you are accepted in the beloved. He knows that you're okay. You are in right standing with him because you have put your faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And he said in verse 22, and whatever we ask we, of him, we receive because we keep his commandments. And by our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings him pleasure. What brings pleasure to by our beautiful intention, you keep on intending to do good and you keep on pursuing to do good. You keep on pursuing to do good. So these are his commands that we continually place our trust in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, always recognizing that Jesus is our right standing, not our performance, and that we keep loving one another just as he has commanded us because every one of us is pursuing to love him, to honor him, to live for him. So you have mercy on your brother and your sister. For all who obey his commands find their lives joined in union with him. As you keep walking and living in union with him, like remember the trailer and the truck that our senior pastor taught us some time ago. So long as you are in union with him, he lives and flourishes in you. We know and have proof that he constantly lives and flourishes in us, so long as we are in that union, by the spirit that he has given unto us. So we find out that without obedience, you have guilty conscience. And that guilty conscience dulls your faith, it dulls your conscience, you know, it bothers you, and it removes your boldness to go before your father to ask from anything, because already your confidence is damaged through the sin. But you must constantly remember that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I constantly remind myself every day, Dorothy, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But I keep on pressing forward to get it right by the help of the Spirit of God. So you do your best to submit to his word in total obedience. But if for any reason you fail, embrace the forgiveness that has already been done 2,000 years ago. You are not even asking God to forgive you at the time, but what you're asking the Father, I agree with you. I, this thing is not right. I didn't do it as far. I received the forgiveness and mercy that Jesus already offered on my behalf. I'm grateful. And what are you doing? You are shutting the door against the devil 
Because the Bible said we should give him no footing. We shouldn't give him any room, any door at all. Because to whom you yield yourself servant to obey, it does say in Romans 6, 16, to that person you become a servant. The devil will come in and give you a dirty knock, and you don't want to get there. And the father knows that that's what, that's what is going to happen. Every parent here knows that why you're encouraging your child to do something right is because it's for their own good. But that doesn't stop you from loving them anyway. You keep loving them, you keep teaching them, you keep on encouraging them. So Christ pays fully. So don't waste your time living in guilty conscience, you know, being guilty. Go to God and receive that, you know, that forgiveness and thank him for the availability of that uh, forgiveness. And continue your life with him. Continue your walk with him. He said in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, he said, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor. Unmerited because we don't merit it. He said, for to us sinners, not that you are a sinner, you were a sinner saved by grace. The day you gave your life to Jesus, you are no longer a sinner. You were now a sinner. But then you have acted like one of those sinners. So you make up with God. So that's why he say you should come boldly. Don't let the devil push you into from the first row, you move to the middle row and you move to the last row and then you zoom out and you say, he that is down needs no fear no fall. And you say, I can't join them. I'm not like them. No, the grace of God is there for you to embrace. So, you know, just settle it in your heart that so long as you are in this flesh, you will always fail. You will always sin sometimes. But you don't want to keep on sinning. You want to live for the one who paid his, you know, for your sins. Don't ever give up on yourself. And don't ever let that sin become a habit. There's a grace for you. You have a new man, so you live by your new man. God sees your heart and knows whether you're still pursuing him or not. The Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, it said, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. He already knows you are his. But then let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So celebrate your progress all the time. Celebrate how far you have gone in this ladder of uh, your relationship with the Father. And then keep on pursuing to live for him you just know that the Father loves you and he will continue to help you till the end. He said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 16, and I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in me, bringing me, bringing me into the family, will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in me. My job is to constantly yield, to constantly show up, totally depending upon him. So the life of obedience is not for you to perform so that God will now put a check mark and say, I love him 100% now. He loved you 100% the day you gave your life to Jesus. The, it's just this level, 100%, regardless of your acts. The reason he loves you is because your life, remember, is now Jesus. You are dead. It's now Jesus. So you have been accepted in the beloved. So but then you have to keep on showing that love, living for him, pursuing him. Praise the Lord. 
Now, your sin, like I mentioned, will only open the door for the devil, and you don't want that man at all around you. You don't want him. John 10, 10 said, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the reason he came. So don't let anybody kid you and tell you that God will stop you from enjoying life. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You have not known life at all until you embrace Jesus. So your life of obedience is just an expression of your trust in him, total dependence upon him, an expression of your love for his mercies upon your life is a way to shut off the devil from your life and is a way to be a witness for this one who loved you so much that he, he took your place of sin. So the choice is yours. The choice is still yours. Your choices today will affect you either positively or negatively. Even as a believer, now that you are in Christ, your choice to continue with him, walking with him. So it calls for a life of total dependence and total surrender to him a daily walk of faith so that you shut off regrets later in life. Once you are born again, walk with him. How? Colossians 2, 6 says, in the same way you receive Jesus as Lord and Messiah by faith. How did you get to, to him? By faith. You've never seen God. You don't know him from Adam. But you, somebody told you about what Jesus did for you to become a child of God, and you believe. He said, in the same way you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. It's a journey of faith from start to finish. The judge shall live by faith, by his faith. Habakkuk 2, 4 said, then, you know, Hebrew chapter 10, verse 38 says, but my righteous one, the one justified by faith, shall live by faith, respecting man's relationship to God and trusting him. Man's relationship to God, that's talking about the fact that you have made Jesus the Lord over your life. And if he draws back, shrinking in fear, my soul has no delight in him. Well, I don't really understand this thing. No, that's a statement of doubt. You continue by faith. Some people say, wow, God is in control. I think I hear a song. He is in control. He is in full control. My Lord is able. Yes, he's in control to the extent to which you allow him, even as a believer. You see, if he's in control and can do anything he wants, he will just wave one hand like this, and the whole world will get born again, and we'll all go to heaven. But it doesn't work like that. Human beings are the only ones that God gave the choice of choosing him or not. And even when you get born again, it's, all, it's again your choice to continue to walk with him. Deuteronomy 13, 19 reminded us that. He said, therefore, he said, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have sent before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. He even told us which one to choose. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So long as you choose that daily walk with him, walking within the principles laid down by the word of God and following the life of, that is led by the spirit of Christ, you have chosen life, you have chosen blessings. 
and that brings glory to God and joy and fulfillment to you and a happy ending. But if you choose the other route to do your own thing your own way, you have chosen to have regrets later in life. Then what, be, what happens to the, those who do not know Christ? You begin to experience some of those things even in your life as a believer because you are not living and walking by faith. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 16, 1 to 5, it said, we can, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the, 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 their motives. He said, commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. The Lord has made everything for his own purpose, including you and I. So the Lord detests proud, the proud. The proud is the one who decides to do things his or her own way. That person is not choosing God's way. So we have to choose to completely surrender to him. John 15, 5 said, apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. So he's in control of our lives as believers to the extent to which we allow him. You can allow him some areas in your life to operate, and then in some areas, say, no, well, I don't want you this area. I still want to do my own thing, JJ. Then that ball is in your, that one is in your court. And the devil can use that area as a loophole to keep on attacking you. Psalm 37, 5 says, give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you will find he pulled it off perfectly. But you have to give him the right. He can't force himself on you. He's a gentle spirit. So you turn the care of your life the care of your family, the care of your marriage, the care of your job, the care of whatever it is. Turn it over to him and totally depend upon him. He said in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the plan that I have for you. You don't know. He Remember, he's the Alpha and the Omega. So turn it over to him and what will happen is that he will begin to mold you, to change you as you keep fellowshipping with the word of God so that your will will now become his, will line up with, with his, and then you will succeed in whatever you're doing because it's the counsel of God that shall stand. Amen? Amen. So how many people do you know today that are struggling in life thinking they can do without God? <laughs> Some of them medicate their lives with drugs, some medicate with drinks, some medicate with food because they keep jamming frustration. They keep jamming misery because they have left the one who formed them in their mother's womb in the first instance. First John 2, 15 to 17 says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. It's not love for the Father. For the Father loves you. But you don't understand how deeply you're loved. That's what it means. You don't have the love of the Father. You don't understand how deeply you are loved by the Father and what he has garnished for your life. He said, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. They will only kind of drag you, distract you from the plan, the destiny that the Father has for you. He said, and this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. 
This world is fading away. Go to the junkyard and you see what was once people's dream that they were pursuing and for which they jettisoned their marriages, uh, their health were in jeopardy. They didn't even care. And those things were there now, a waste, wasting away. We are citizens of heaven. We should rather pursue things pertaining to where we belong. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's rather pursue, it says, but seek you first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6.33, and all these things shall be added unto you. The day I got a revelation of this and I began to do this, the things I used to pursue before, they are now pursuing me. I don't forget one time somebody took me to shop and bought, I think almost about six different kinds of shoes for me. And then I remember one time someone bought, bought me about six different, you know, types of clothes. And was it, well, when was it I woke up? I think that was two weeks ago, a week ago. My husband told me you had Excel into your account. I said, what? He said, somebody just paid $1,000. So you find that things just keeps happening. As need arises, God is meeting that. It's not because I'm a pastor. It had been happening way from the time I was in Nigeria. The moment I got this revelation, you can't beat God. The scripture cannot be broken. The word of God is true, yea, and amen. But you have to agree with God. Be a fool for him and choose to do things his way. A wasted life is a life lived without fulfilling God's destiny for your life. And you don't want to get there. You just do not want to get there at all. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us to the destiny that the Father has for us. But he's not going to force us. We have to willingly choose as he leads us. We have to willingly choose the instructions that we receive from the Father. And disobedience to God and his word and the leading of the Holy Spirit is not to be an occasional thing for all those of us who are children. It has to be our lifestyle. You daily choose to follow his divine instruction because remember, it is no longer your life. It is now his life. There's a difference between those who are willing to obey God just to get out of trouble and those who want to obey him, making that choice their lifestyle. God is merciful and he will usually help us out of trouble. But he desires for us because he knows that there's a greater blessing as we keep on living that life of obedience. And some choose to obey God in small things, I mean, in big things, those ones that people can easily see. But there are little, little matters. For instance, maybe love your wife or love your husband, respect, and then uh, honor your parents, and then uh, honor your boss at job. And then, for instance, for me, he deals with us at our different levels of work with him. I remember that some years back, when I used the restroom, especially at my job, and then I come in there and they messed up that place. He would tell me, Dorothy, my daughter, tidy this up for the next person. I said, Daddy, but I didn't do it. He said, initially, I will leave. Then when I will sit on my desk, my, me and my conscience, then I will have to go back. Sometimes I get back there, somebody already had entered, or sometimes there's nobody. I tidy it. It happens to me when I go to shop. It happens to me even in my house. I want to keep it good for the next person because... I don't want that frustration on the inside, that war. There's always that war, you know, Galatia 5, 16, between the spirit and then the flesh. You just want to simply honor God. Whatever he did, the same thing goes with the cat. Since I learned that thing, 
I just, when I use my cart, I take it to where it's supposed to be. But you find people leaving their carts when they shop here and there. And some, I remember one time somebody's cart hit my vehicle. So in other words, you are not considering the consequences of your action on the others. You don't have a God that you're honoring who is with you 24-7. Who is your source? And who is the one who protects for you and provides for you? You choose to live a life of obedience. You make that your lifestyle. Praise the Lord. James 1.25 says, But he who looks carefully into the faultless or the perfect law, the law of liberty. You know why it's liberty? Because it frees you from every attack of the devil because it shuts the door against the devil. Against your, you know, it shuts the door against the devil. They won't attack your health, your joy, your peace, your happiness, and your issues. It's, it's, it shuts him off. He said, and is faithful to it and perseveres. It takes perseverance because the flesh will come on you and say, you know, it will pain the flesh. So, but you have to choose to persevere in looking into it. Be not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. He said, he shall be blessed in his doing, his life of obedience. When the Bible said you shall be blessed, you shall indeed be blessed. But you have to just simply choose to follow him. Praise the Lord. So the only way to true peace is obedience to God and his instructions. It's not just what he said in his word as he prompts you. The Bible said those that allow themselves to be led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of you. Allow him to live. You choose his directives. And you do it willingly. Isaiah 119 said, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You choose to honor him no matter what. The Bible said in Proverbs 19 verse 16, honor God's holy instructions and life will go well with, for you. But if you despise his ways and choose your own plans, you will die. It's not that you're going to die physical death, but you will finally lead to that. But you find yourself having frustrations in the things you're doing. It could be frustration in your academics. It could be frustration in your health. It could be frustration in your job, your relationships. So you don't want, you really want to shut off the devil. You don't want him anywhere around you. And there's a way out. And you've got what it takes to shut him off. God is not the one causing your frustrations. He's never the one. But it's just that you're opening doors unnecessarily to the enemy. John 14, 16, say, 26 says that, the, that he, the Holy Spirit that God has given you, he's your comforter, he's your helper, he's your advocate, he's your friend, he's your intercessor, counselor, strengthener. He said that you know, he's the one that is in place of, the, of Jesus. He said he will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I've told you. And everything that you keep hearing, he will constantly keep on reminding you. Jesus called him the spirit of truth. Say so he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. Unveil because you now have him in you and he is the only one that can unveil the word of God to you. You cannot. The Bible said that he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. That is accurately describing everything to you. So you don't just want to grieve that man that God has given to you as a helper. So we enter into the relationship with God and even our marriages and so many other relationships with so many things in our lives that need a change. 
None of us is perfect as we enter into any relationship, even that one with God. But God knows what he was getting when he got us. But it's not by our power nor by our mind that we can change ourselves. The change is a process and it takes time. It requires a lot of patience and cooperation with God, his word, and the Holy Spirit. So, but as we constantly yield our lives to the Holy Spirit, to the word of God, it, it, the Bible describes it, it said in uh, Ephesians 2, 24, 24, it said, and it said, we will be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life. In other words, you embrace your new man. You walk in union with the spirit that the spirit of Christ that is in you. He said, for God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So, but your life is constantly being transformed as you embrace the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the word of God is a mirror that mirrors to you who your real inside is like and who you are in Christ. Second Corinthians 3.18 describes it very well. He said that all of us, as with unveiled face, because we, the unveiled face, because you now have the spirit of Christ in you, the veil has been removed. Those who are not born again, the veil is still there. He said, because we continue, so there's a continuity there, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror. When I dressed up this morning, I went over the mirror and checked myself. Whatever the mirror told me, I adjusted accordingly. And if I didn't adjust accordingly, I'm sure I would have come out and someone would comment here and there. So he said, uh, as, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, say, are constantly. That's why it requires patience. It's not a day's affair. If God changes everything about you one day, that's going to crush you. So are constantly being transfigured. The word transfigured is transformed into more, something more beautiful, something more glorious, something more elevated into his very own image in ever, in ever increasing, in ever increasing splendor. And from one degree of what? Glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So our choices to yield to his leading, to his promptings, and to the word of God will determine to what extent this transformation is going to take, take place in your life. That's why somebody can be a believer for 30 years and is still acting like a baby Christian. And you find somebody who was born again five years ago doing something that somebody 20 years ago is doing. It depends on to the extent to which you allow the Holy Spirit to you know, to flow through you, which you allow the word of God to change your thinking. He said, he said that uh, we should come so that he will change the way we think. The more you choose to renew your mind, you, the, the better your life, the better your relationships, the better your marriage, the better you're able to excel in whatever you're doing, be it academically, be it a job-wise, be it health-wise. I keep thanking God that he has delivered me from stinking thinking. I don't think again like the word. I choose to think the way God thinks. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. Why living sacrifice? Because you are still living physically in this uh, physical body. 
So that's why it's a choice you do daily to walk by faith, to live by faith. In a place, in a, in a uh, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. So your present your faculties, your mental and physical power, submit it to God's authority. Because he's now your life. The life you live is no longer your own life. And the Holy Spirit works best when there, where there is least resistance. If you would just willingly yield to him, surrender to him. And Paul said it in a, by the Holy Spirit in Romans 6, 13. He said, do not go on offering members of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. But offer yourselves to God in a decisive act. As those, as those alive, raised from the dead to a new life. And your members, all of your abilities, all of your abilities, not some, sanctified, set apart as instruments of righteousness yielded to him. Every day I constantly remind myself that, Dorothy, you are a woman consecrated and set apart for God's glory. I constantly remind myself. So, and that was do not means that it's up to you. You can choose not to. It's up to you. Then Colossians, you know, 3.17 says, let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's your choice. Let every activity, I hope we understand what that word means, every activity. It means every activity, whether you're behind closed doors, or you are where people can see you, you say, let every activity, and that includes murmuring and complaining. We are encouraged in Philippians 2, 14 to 15, to do all things without grumbling and fault-finding. Because complaining and murmuring, it comes so natural, and it opens the door for the devil. So we have to, you know, we have every genuine reason to complain, but God says we should rather give thanks. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Thank God in everything. What does everything mean? It means everything. Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give thanks. For this is the will of God for you, who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. He's your source. So when you're complaining, you're saying, God, you are not good. Look at how, what you allow to be happening to me. And how many people are angry with God today? Because they think God is their problem, but they don't know that it is they that are opening the door for the devil. And, uh, you know, he uh, says, uh, you know, whatever God tells you to do, it might sound foolish, but whatever it is that, ha- that you know, that foolish thing that has its source in God, is better than the wisdom of men. So when he says, do not murmur, do not complain, you are simply, the Bible called it, you know, you're, you're stifle the Holy Spirit in First Thessalonians 5.19. In other words, you quench the Holy Spirit. You stop him from working on your behalf because he's the one God has given to help you until the redemption of the purchased possession. You restrain him from his activities in your life. 
and you don't want to do that. You just do not. So you should rather, and that is so natural to start complaining and murmuring. But it is supernatural when instead you begin to praise and you worship and you thank like he told us in that first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. And we were reminded about the children of Israel in 1 Corinthians 10, 10 that they murmured and they showed us what happened to them that a lot of them were destroyed, you know, by the destroyer. Because you opened the door for the devil. I don't forget what happened to my in my house. I was it two weeks ago. I think it was last week. Two weeks and then last week. You know how you know somebody was working on our basement and things weren't coming for the way we wanted. For you know something that started I think April and it's still lasting till today. It's still not finished. You know a lot of things wasn't really the way I had wanted it to be. But so. I didn't say anything bad about the man, but at least I was murmuring and complaining with this man. What's wrong with me? All that, you know, all that. See, God takes that complaining and murmuring personal. You can communicate what you want. Whatever somebody is doing to you that is not, you tell this person, I don't like this, I don't like the way you're treating me and all that. But it's not for you now to begin to murmur and complain because God takes it personal. And I remember somebody was preaching and said that murmuring and complaining, say complain and remain, praise and be raised. That when you complain, you open the door for the devil. And the devil is the father of flies. And that, you know, you know that, that he attracts flies and that's demonic. I don't know where flies came into my basement, clean basement, but these flies came. We looked everywhere to see what was the source. We couldn't trace the source. We thought maybe something died, but we couldn't trace it. And the funny thing was that every day the flies were getting bigger and bigger and we couldn't trace what they were feeding on. So it was just, I think, I think it was Wednesday that, uh, I think either Wednesday or Thursday, God, I, I remember that teaching that somebody did. I said, God, please forgive me. Forgive me, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I don't want any more flies in my, in my basement. I know I've, I've complained and I've murmured. Please forgive me, you know, forgive me, but no more flies, and I thank you. As I was just finishing bringing my hand down, my son only came in, and I began to share that with him. I said, look at what happened. I reminded, I told him what I, I listened to within the week, and then uh, I said, I've repented. Then uh, the next day, I went there and said, let me even sweep off the dead ones. More than, there should be more than 50, 60 flies, big so big. I swept them up. When I went to sweep, there was no more single live fly. And I say, God, forgive me. I don't want to get it. So what do you do? Rather zip your lips or you say, Father, I thank you. These two shall come to pass. Praise the Lord. So because why? Psalm 103 verse 20 says that, the angels of God, they hearken to the voice of his word. Who lend voice to the word of God? It's you and I. So let's rather keep our angels. And every one of us, we have our angels, our guardian angels. They are there with us 24-7, whether you see them or not, whether you know it or not. God has assigned them to you. So you keep them busy. When you speak in line with the word of God, you get them doing some good stuff for you. But when you're complaining, the Bible said the devil, he roams about. You're giving the demon spirit something to work on, and you don't want to do that. So we should rather choose God's ways. It's better for us. God already told us that there is, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation that is, will come to us that is not common with men, and God will provide the way out. And he has already given us the way out, and the way out is Jesus. Jesus is the answer for the world today. So let us shut off every door. 
Those things that you watch over the television that pulls your attention from God, that takes all your time for God, so that you are not prioritizing God, so that you will know the truth, these truths, that these truths will resonate in you so that you will live by the guidance of the word of God, by the truth that is provided for you in the word of God. You should keep those things aside and prioritize the word of God. So we have to, that means because we have to be familiar with what God said for us to be able to do what he wants us to do. Many people today live under incredible pressure, running here and there. They're not having time for the things of God. And yet the Bible said one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that important part, and that is knowing what God said to you and following the will and the word of God. For except the Lord builds, it's all in vain. God has to be the one building your life for you to succeed and have a happy end. I really want to live a genuine Christian life for the, for the Father. And based on that, I constantly check myself to make sure that the, the fruit that, I, that my life, that is, my, this, this being produced through this life, is, is really in line with what I claim to be, a child of God. So I daily live checking these things. I want to make sure that I'm patient and kind and that I live in total obedience to the word of God. Because the Bible said if you don't judge yourself, you will be judged. So it's better you check yourself in line with the word of God to make sure that you're living for God. I, you know, I just think about my father-in-law, my husband's dad, who is now my dad, who, you know, he's passed. May his soul continue to rest in perfect peace. This man left valuable, righteous values for us. You know, a good name in the community, a positive example for all of us. He demonstrated both verbal and uh, physical affection and spiritual guidance while he was still living. There is a weightiness about him. There's this kind of aura around my father-in-law. You know, there's this serene atmosphere, a peaceful, calm, you know, atmosphere around him because this man loves and respects God and lives for God and lives before the audience of one. He, is, he was highly resp respected among those who knew him while he lived. And the whole community of uh, the town, they all honored this man. They all respected this man while he lives. His words were really highly regarded and very well honored. Before I came to that place, somebody told me, if anybody really finds trouble with you, make sure you speak with your father-in-law. That man is a godly man. So you can imagine that kind of testimony. I've never had anything negative from him, except once, but that once wasn't even a negative thing. Somebody, you know, told me that he should, I should come so that she would take me to a place where one pastor would go to the bush and gather some things and then help me to become pregnant. I said, but if this happens, who will I say gave me the children? He said, do you mean I'm not a Christian? Then my father-in-law, you know, saw that, had that, and then he began to take me to pray for me. And he said, don't even bother. People also say all manner of things about me. Don't even take it to heart that God will take care of it. That was the only comment I had from him that was negative. That man lived before the audience of one. Let's also make the choice to live before the audience of one and follow his instructions, and we are sure to have a happy end. Amen? Amen. 
Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our Father and our God, in the name of Jesus, my prayer for every one of us here and those at the sound of my voice is that we may continue to abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that we may continue to approve the things that are excellent, that we may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to your glory and praise, that we may be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we may walk worthy of you, the Lord, fully pleasing you, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God you the Father, strengthened with all might according to your glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, not murmuring. We give you the praise. We thank you for your faithful and your well-able. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen.